Hello and welcome to this Effective Animal Advocacy Careers Workshop. Thank you very much for joining me and thank you to the Centre for Effective Altruism and everybody involved with Effective Altruism Global X Virtual for inviting me to talk. So my name is Jamie Harris. I'm a researcher and co-founder at Animal Advocacy Careers and I'm also a researcher at the think tank Sentience Institute. So my goal for this session is that Hopefully, everybody listening will leave the workshop with at least one new resource, connection, idea, or action that they can take that will hopefully help them to use their career to have a greater impact for animals than they otherwise would. I think it's vital to spend time actually planning your career and really thinking about how to maximize your impact because not all altruistic efforts are equal and Spending some time thinking or planning could actually multiply the effect, that, the impact that you can have over the course of your career by 10 times or 100 times. So, yeah, I really think it's worth spending that time now. So for the rest of this session, what I'm going to focus on is we're going to spend about 20 minutes, maybe a little longer uh, on a presentation, sort of going through the different steps that are important in a impact-focused career decision-making process. And at each step, I'm going to sort of define some key terms and outline some resources that will help you to make this decision uh, to maximize your impact, and especially in terms of animal advocacy. We're going to spend some time, maybe a bit less than that, five minutes, around five minutes, listing some key uncertainties that you have in your career decision-making process. And then I'm going to whack up a list of some resources that I've talked about over the course of the presentation. So you can kind of select some to go away and prioritize actually looking into to start addressing these career uncertainties. And the remainder of the session will be about joining a group or a partner who will help you to actually work through and make some progress on your career planning. So the first well, so as we go through this, I'm going to be referring to an article by a 8,000 hours, who I'm sure you've all heard of, uh, who have lots of excellent advice if you're not familiar with them, uh, an article called How to Make Tough Career Decisions. And there are lots of different decisions that you could actually be making. There are lots of different sort of career planning processes that you might be thinking about, such as you could be thinking about where to actually apply for your next role. You could be thinking about which medium-term options to focus on. You could be thinking about a longer-term rough career plan. And for the sake of sort of widest applicability for everybody listening, I'm going to focus on the middle option there, which medium term options to focus on. But probably most of the resources I share will have some relevance to whichever of these decision types you're making. So the next step is to actually write out what your most important priorities are. And if you're doing this independently, I'd encourage you to really spend some time thinking about this, what it is you're trying to get out of your career and how important those different criteria are. I'm going to just share some of the ones that 8,000 hours have spoken about on that article I mentioned and that are widely discussed in the effective altruism community. And these are generally just vital uh, sorry, factors to consider when you're thinking about maximizing your positive impact through your career. So I'm going to sort of whiz through these, but I'm going to delve into them each in turn in a bit. So don't worry if this looks a bit overwhelming if you're not familiar with the terms. So impact potential, personal fit, personal satisfaction, 
career capital, option value, value of information, and then there are some considerations in relation to others in the effective altruism and animal altruism communities, relative fit or comparative advantage, and community capital. So yeah, as I say, I'm going to sort of zoom in on some of these. So the first one I'm going to talk about, the first factor to consider when you're evaluating different options in whichever career decision-making, sorry, career decision is you're trying to make, whether it's ranking options or um, for your next job or making longer-term plans, is the impact potential. And so this is actually kind of the most important decision or one of the most important factors, I should say, in terms of evaluating your different options, because some roles could have, again, they can have orders of magnitude more impact than others just by virtue of the, the very issue or the problem that you're working on and the actual specific role that it is you're doing. So this is partly about cause prioritization, actually just comparing different urgent problems that you could be working on. So animal advocacy compared to, say, uh, addressing global health issues compared to long-term threats to humanity's very existence, extinction threats, or other cause areas focused on the long-term future, like reducing, reducing risks of astronomical suffering in the future. And so there's, the resources on this are kind of scattered in various places. I think the Center for Effective Altruism's resources page, you might have heard of it, referred to as the CA's handbook, is a great place to start on this. It's got a mix of some sort of overview articles and some more in-depth articles. Um, but yeah, on that issue of course prioritization, there are a bunch of other places you can go to. There's a great sort of really short introductory resource on this topic of why farmed animals um, by animal charity evaluators, which is partly about broad course prioritization, partly about comparing farmed animal issues to other an animal issues. Uh, some of the other content is scattered in various places. ACLs and hours have some content on different problem profiles. A lot of it is uh, discussed in various places on the Effective Altruism Forum. For instance, there's a great resource by a colleague of mine at Sentence Institute called Why I Prioritize Moral Circle Expansion of, Over Artificial Intelligence Alignment that I'd encourage anyone to read if they're thinking about how this sort of uh, animal advocacy issue is compared to other long-termist issues focused on improving the value of the long-term future. Yeah, uh, there's that idea of prioritizing between whole cause areas, which could drastically affect the impact that you have over the course of your career. You can also sort of, at a slightly more granular level, compare within particular cause areas. So different types of sort of sub-causes within animal advocacy. So that might be farmed animals compared to wild animals, compared to companion animals, and so on. And so that resource there is a great starting point. Um, within even more granular, you can then start to think about comparing different intervention types and whether those seem much more optimistic for uh, the, the total impact that you could have by working on those. And so ACE have some, relating to several of these considerations, I guess, ACE have uh, reviews of charities, and obviously it's in the title, that's what they focus on. And so you can look at the sort of summaries of different uh, evaluations, or you can go into more depth on their evaluations to really start thinking about how these different interventions and sub-cause areas compare. ACE also have what they call intervention reviews. And there's these two great reports on leafleting and protests. And they've hopefully got some more coming out soon that you can sort of dive into thinking about whether different interventions how they might compare. So the organization I work for, Census Institute, we also have this resource called the Summary of Evidence for Foundational Questions in Effective Animal Advocacy. And I think that's a great starting point for sort of having some heuristics about what sorts of actions and what sorts of interventions will tend to be more or less impactful in terms of 
uh, yeah, having impact for animals. So I'd recommend that. And finally, a resource that I'm going to mention quite a few times over the rest of this presentation is something I've been working on with animal advocacy careers, which are our skills profiles. Uh, and these are essentially sort of aggregating some advice and relevant research about what particular career types within the animal advocacy space look like. And so that's about helping you think about whether you've got good personal fit with these areas, is about getting a general sense of what those career types actually look like. And they, they do have a section on there and some content related to the actual impact that those roles will, will have and how you can have an impact through those roles. Okay, so talks about impact potential. I'm going to sort of cluster a few different uh, considerations here because I think some of the same resources can help you to, address, to think about each of them. So personal fit, personal satisfaction, career capital and option value. Personal fit, we're really thinking about your chance of excelling in different role types. Uh, can you, how good will you be compared to the average alternative candidate that might have filled that role if you haven't applied for it or, or taken up the job? Personal satisfaction is obviously somewhat related, but it's more about your own personal enjoyment, that sort of thing. It relates somehow to personal fit in terms of things like how can you sustainably work in the area, that sort of thing. Then there's career capital, which combines a bunch of different things. It's essentially anything that could allow you to excel in other roles. So this is things like credentials, but it's also um, the networks that you build and the experience and skills that you build up whilst working in particular role types. And then finally on their option value, and this is whether it uh, sort of pres preserves backup options for you, enables you to pivot out of that role into other roles that could also be highly impactful. There's some resources that can help to address each of these things. 8,000 Hours have career, rev career reviews. And so they have reviews on things like academia, management consultancy, various types of policy roles, and quite similar to animal advocacy career skills profiles that I already mentioned, they, they kind of go through these different careers, career types um, and help you to think about whether, yeah, whether you can have personal fit with them, how, how you'd actually fare in the role, all those sorts of things. So I mentioned animal advocacy careers skill profiles already. Um, yeah, just to say the examples of what it is that we're going to be releasing soon. These, so yeah, to clarify, these haven't quite been released. They should be released within literally within a week or two. Uh, we've been putting the finishing touches on them. Uh, so the first three that are going to come out very soon are one on management leadership roles and expertise, especially in MFC nonprofits, fundraising roles, and then also a slightly broader skills profile for working to grow the animal advocacy community in countries where the community is small or new. And we've also got some forthcoming ones relating to uh, work in animal-free food technology companies on sort of technical research and another one on government and policy. And so, of course, beyond those profiles that already exist, you can do some information gathering yourself. So you can do Google searches, you can literally just type in day in the life of and then whatever role type it is you're looking for. You can look up relevant books and articles and really sort of dive into any existing in-depth content that exists. And you can ask connections. They might be people you already know or they might be people you don't know yet who could be willing to help you anyway, uh, especially people within the effective altruism and animal advocacy communities. And so the other people at EAGX Virtual are a great example of that. Uh, 
I'm sure you can tap into some other knowledge to help explore and, and think about your career decision-making process. And that's part of what the end of this session will be about. Um, but also, yeah, a resource that's on there is the Effective Animal Advocacy Community Directory, which is essentially where people have signed up if they're saying that they're happy for somebody to reach out to them to chat about various topics. And there's a column indicating where they're interested in chatting about careers. And so you can quite easily just look at there, see, oh, is there anybody, you know, you can control F or command F or market to see if anything about marketing comes up. Or you can look to see if there's anybody interested in plant-based foods or anything like that. And then you can fire off uh, a question to them or a LinkedIn uh, connection request or whatever. So another factor that you should consider is the value of information. And this is essentially, does the role or path that you're considering Will this help you to understand your personal fit with other roles or other paths? Essentially, what does it tell you about other opportunities you might take up? And this is partly just about introspection um, and working out what it is you don't know. Although, of course, a lot of these resources I've mentioned so far will also help for thinking about value information. But then we've got these considerations uh, that relate to the your coordination and here you're really coordinating with two different communities when it comes to effective animal advocacy you're coordinating with the effective altruism community and the animal advocacy or animal rights communities which are partly overlapping but also partly separate so this idea of relative fit is as opposed to uh, personal fit which is your kind of how you compare to just the average candidate uh, of that particular role type it's this is about as i say um this is essentially your fit once you take into, yeah, it's the job that has the highest expected impact once you take into account the possibility of coordinating with those other groups. So it's essentially about how do your strengths compare to other communi uh, community members. Yeah, so that's com how, yeah, comparative advantage. And then you've got community capital there, which is essentially about whether a particular role type would increase the influence and power and knowledge, all those sorts of things of the community itself. So some resources that would be relevant to this. Here's another resource by Animal Advocacy Careers I haven't mentioned yet. It's our spot check research. So what this was, uh, let's explain here actually. What this was, was basically we compiled a list of 27 different effective animal advocacy nonprofits and we looked at both their currently taken roles, so their current employees, and also their current uh, the, the job adverts that they had up at any one point. And essentially the logic here was that if certain types of expertise are undersupplied in the community uh, relative to the needs of the community, we would expect that those skill sets would be overrepresented in animal advocacy job adverts because it would be harder to actually fill those roles. It'd be harder to hire for those people with those skill sets. So here's an example of one of the tables from the spot check. And the, the two columns I want you to focus on are not a total column, you can't ignore that, are the percentages columns. And essentially, if a, for the, let's look at the ones in blue first, you can see on the right hand side, the advertised jobs, in those one circled in blue, there's a higher proportion of the advertised jobs were of those particular role types than were for the current roles. Again, suggesting that what this, this means is that Nonprofits are essentially potentially struggling to hire for those role types. So you can see that fundraising, lobbying, and operations roles are all somewhat, these organizations are seem to be slightly struggling to hire for them. And then in contrast, 
campaigning roles, uh, it seems to be they didn't seem to have that problem. There were more, um, current roles were actually overrepresented relative to advertised roles. And then these other role types, there was less of a clear, clear difference. Um, but yeah, you can zoom in on some of that in more detail on the spot check itself. There's various limitations of this. I'm sure some of you are sitting there thinking, hmm, I can think of a lot of flaws with that. Yes, there are flaws. Um, it tells us about, and, and it gives us what I call weak evidence for a number of different issues in question. So I'd really encourage you to look at the spot check if that's not potentially helpful. Another piece of research we did, uh, also imperfect, it was a small number, uh, a survey with a small number of uh, CEOs and hiring managers at some of the similar sorts of nonprofits I was talking about in that not in that spot check. Um, essentially, most of them were top or standout charities recommended by animal charity evaluators. And this was uh, conducted sometime last year. And <clears throat> this is an example of one of the findings. Uh, if you can't see that, that the funding at the top there, it says, what bottleneck do you identify most in your most within your organization and the, by far the most commonly common response was funding with 82 percent of the respondents i.e nine out of 12 um saying funding and again this gives us an insight to a number of different questions some of the evidence sort of overlaps with the spot check for example there's quite a lot of people re uh, referring to a difficulty hiring fundraisers uh there were some uh, some did not overlap so much so for example there was lots of reference to struggling to make uh, senior hires or managers in the survey, but that didn't come up so much in the spot check. So again, I encourage you to look at it in more detail if that seems helpful for thinking about your comparative advantage. So again, some of those options I mentioned before, you can ask current connections about how you might fit in, how get a sense of what the community looks like, the talents of people in the community, and you can ask people you don't know yet via the Effective Animal Advocacy Community Directory that I mentioned and other people at EAGX. Oh, by the way, the community directory, the best place to access it is via the what's called the Effective Animal Advocacy Discussion Facebook group. But also for all these resources that I'm referring to in this presentation, there are actually hyperlinks on my slide. So hopefully we'll be able to share the presentation afterwards. And uh, if you can't find something just by Googling it, then you should be able to find it via the presentation itself. And yeah, also the skills profiles that I mentioned, uh, for, for the skills that we've covered, so for instance, fundraising, we've tried to aggregate the relevant research from these different types of research that we've done and from analytical information and all that sort of thing. So uh, if there's a, a skills profile relevant to something you're interested in, then that should cover a lot of the same information. Okay, so mostly so far, apart from briefly mentioning that you need to think about what the decision you're actually making is, I've mostly just been talking about different factors that you'd want to consider when evaluating your different options, whether it's for the next job you're taking or for your medium term career plans or your longer term plans, whatever it is. Uh, yeah, I've been thinking about the factors that are involved. But the third step is <clears throat> this idea of actually generating the different options that you want to consider. So, yeah, I've been talking quite a lot about nonprofit roles, especially with reference to the spot check research that I did and the skills profiles that we've been working on at Animal Advocacy Careers. But I also really want to emphasize that these are not the only high impact opportunities available to animal advocates. 
You should also consider work at animal-free food tech companies. So those are companies producing cultured meat, which is uh, meat products grown from animal cells without requiring the slaughter of animals. And also companies producing plant-based foods, think Impossible Burger, Beyond Burger, that sort of thing, that could displace animal products. Uh, so we do have a spot check that will be coming out on technical research in animal-free food tech companies. But in the meantime, there's some great resources out already. Uh, the Good Food Institute is one of the main organizations, main nonprofits, I should say, working on this area. And they have a student guide, which I think is probably helpful for more than just students. It's got a list of different career types, that sort of thing. I've also got a podcast interview that I conducted with the Census Institute with somebody from GFI uh, going into detail on these different career options, that sort of thing. And that should be out if, um, if it's not even out by the time this talk is played, it will be out within a week or two. And 18,000 Hours also have some content related to this in their careers reviews. You should also consider public sector roles and options within that. So this is policy and political roles. And again, I've got a spot check, sorry, a skills profile will be coming out that combines some of these different options and thinks about them. But 8,000 hours have actually probably more in-depth, although obviously not specific to animal advocacy, uh, some quite in-depth resources on some of these different routes, which are currently available. So on UK party politics, the UK civil service, US congressional staffers, and also one on AI policy and one on think tanks. And then another category is academic and research roles. And again, 8,000 hours have an excellent profile on academic research. Uh, yeah, that was just to emphasize that if you're thinking about generating options, um, you can look through existing lists. So the nonprofit spot check that I conducted is, is one example, and 8,000 hours have some great content on looking through different types of lists. So once you've actually generated this list of options, um, yeah, and I, I just, something I should say about that actually before I move on is it's important not to, fo not to uh, focus on too narrow a set of options. This is a common mistake. It's very important to consider. I'd say you want to be considering at least three. Don't, don't stick with two. Uh, so don't underestimate the importance of actually just generating options and considering lots of different options without discarding them prematurely. But that said, you do need to start to actually narrow down and rank your options. And you're essentially trying to, be think, you're trying to think about uh, what would be the potentially the highest impact options if everything works out well and that's kind of what you're looking for especially if you're early on in your career um, <clears throat> so you can think about the criteria we discussed earlier so let me just run through those briefly again impact potential personal fit personal satisfaction career capital option value value of information and then the, the coordinating ones, relative fit or comparative advantage and community capital. So, yeah, doing this thoroughly takes a long time, obviously. Uh, there's lots of all those different considerations, weighing them up, trying to gather some information to generate more accurate sort of values or understanding of those different factors. <clears throat> takes a long time, takes some research. So obviously we're not gonna be able to do that very thoroughly in this session. But one thing that is important is that as you're thinking about that ranking those options, you're also starting to work out what your key uncertainties are and what it is that you actually need to find out more about in order to make progress on your ranking. So what is the information that would be most likely to change your ranking? That's kind of what you're looking for. 
And I want to spend some time doing that now. I think it will help to make the rest of the session most useful if we spend five minutes actually writing out your uncertainties. Um, I'm going to put some prompts up on the board in a second to, if, if you need them, but feel free to just sort of go at it freeform if you want to just crack on. If you're thinking, oh, I've already done this or I did this really recently, um, then you might like to instead think about if you've actually managed to make progress on addressing uncertainties so far at EAGX and what else you could do for the rest of the conference to help address those uncertainties, uh, and, you know, what information you could gather, that sort of thing. And if you're thinking, oh, this is a leap too far for me, I'm not even ready to, uh, to think what my uncertainties are, I still need to generate options, then that's fine. You could just spend the next five minutes actually just generating some options instead. So, yeah, I'm going to put some, as I say, put some tips and props on the board, but I'm going to tell you about five minutes and I'm going to shut up now and let you crack on. Don't feel obligated to use these, as I say, they're just there if you're struggling. You've had about three minutes now. I'm going to give you another two minutes before I stop you. 
Okay, just finishing off now. Okay, so hopefully you've had a chance to go through and list some of your uncertainties and that will help with the rest of the session. First thing I'm gonna do is just put up some of the resources I've been talking about so far in this presentation. I'm gonna add a couple and I'll, most of them should be familiar and then I'll explain the additional new ones. Oh, but before I do that actually, I think it'd be great if once the list is up, if you pick one or two that you think <clears throat> that you really wanna prioritize actually looking into. And I'd encourage you to not just pick them, but actually select a time in your calendar or place them somewhere in our to-do list where you won't forget about these to ensure that they don't just, <clears throat> this presentation doesn't just fade into the background. It is actually something that you act upon uh, to make further progress on your career decision-making process. So I'll flick through them. Okay, so the only ones I think that are new on there, uh, I didn't really mention 80,000 Hours Key Ideas page. Uh, there's a podcast version of this as well. It's essentially hard to miss if you go on 80,000 Hours uh, site. And that goes through some of the considerations that we've been talking about, like career capital and personal fit in more depth. <clears throat> and there's a bit of refresher there, links to other resources, that sort of thing. So that could be great if you're fairly new to this area. Thinking about these impact-focused career decisions. If you're, if, if actually everything here is, a, it feels a bit too far and you're sort of launching at the deep end here, one thing that could be really helpful would be Animal Advocacy Careers forthcoming online course and workshop. This is essentially intended to be a sort of 101 for people to go through effective animal advocacy career, sorry, effective animal advocacy strategic consideration. So use, drawing on things like the foundational questions, summaries that I've been talking about from Centers Institute. Uh, and various other resources by advocacy research organizations. And then also the career considerations from groups like 8,000 Hours and our own research. And it culminates in a workshop where you can spend longer on the planning process and longer addressing your uncertainties. So it is hopefully a useful process to sort of take you through all the, all the steps you need if you're fairly new to this area. If you're feeling that actually you don't need that sort of thing, that you're, you're quite familiar with these sorts of considerations, and uh, it could be that one other thing that we can offer is one, the one-to-one -one advising program that we're about to launch. We're going to launch this at the same time as the skills profiles that I've been talking about at various points. And yeah, this will be essentially a, a call with me where I can you know, submit an application and we can talk through some of uh, the the factors that you're considering and your different options and help you rank them and think about comparative advantage, all that sort of thing. Great, so, oh yeah, just to give you five, 10 more seconds just to make sure you've picked one, got it jotted down. But I should also say that hopefully we can make this slide available and uh, the URLs for all these different resources should be available through the, the actual presentation itself. Okay, so for the remainder of the session, we're gonna try and make a bit more progress on addressing these uncertainties you've been joining down. And basically we're gonna divide into several different groups, depending what it is you feel you most need to prioritize doing right now. 
And once I've put the four different groups up, I want you to pick one and you will be, uh, you can then pick a different relevant icebreaker group room uh, that you'll be able to sort of join with other people, think about the same sorts of things and focus on that for the rest of the session. So the first group is for people who want to get their head around some of the, the various career strategy considerations we've been talking about. Like what is personal fit? What does comparative advantage mean? That sort of thing. Um, and, and this, I should say, this could be either because you want to address those questions yourself or you just think you'd be able to help others with it. That's fine. Second group is for people generating a full list of options and actually just sort of almost like brainstorming different options. And you'd be divided into pairs and you switch fairly regularly. Um, so you can sort of chat about this. Another would be um, the third group is for actually going through and ranking your different options. And this obviously requires a bit more going to depth and discussing and, <clears throat> and sort of grinning each other, providing some specific feedback. So you'll be in a pair for the remainder of the session if you go for that group. And the last group is for people who want to focus on investigating their key uncertainties by asking each other factual questions or getting recommendations for resources or contacts or that sort of thing. And that would be, uh, sorry, I've put for the remainder of the session, that should be pairs that you would be switching for that as well. Um, again, to sort of get input from lots of different people, that sort of thing. So yeah, that's those are the four groups. I just want to say thank you very much for, for joining and yeah, go forth and make some more progress on your key uncertainties in the groups.